Welcome back to my weekly Parsha share. It's been quite some time since we were last together. And uh, this week we're looking at Parsha's Lech Lecha. Today's share is sponsored by Sol and Gazelle Dunst, in memory of Sol's father, Joseph Dunst, who I have very fond memories of. He was a member of our shul. He died a few years ago. Yosef David ben Yaakov Shlomer, Zichrone Lebrocha. His yard site was on the 14th of Elul. And uh, I know that we are now in Cheshvan. We, we are commemorating his memory. His neshama should have an aliyah. We should be zeichet to see Tchias Hamesim. And thank you so much for the sponsorship. Parshas Lech Lecha begins with the words Lech Lecha Me'artecha Me'maladcha Me'artzavicha Ela Oretza She'ar Eka. But the phrase Lech Lecha is going to be the focus of today's shir. Lech Lecha. Essentially, I'm not going to go into the very um, specific detail of the expression, but the phrasing is, is it's less important than what it conveys. Lech lecha, go out of, travel, lech lecha, get out of where you are and go somewhere else. That's the phrasing that's used to Avram Avinu, uh, sorry, to Avram Avinu by God. He's informed, he's instructed, he's directed by God to leave where he is currently and to go somewhere else. So we're going to look at the Nesivas Sholem, who is going to bring another reference to this very same phrase, this very same expression of go out, um, get on a journey, that's used at the end of Parshas Vayera to do with the Akedah. Let's have a look at the Nesivas Sholem. Vayom Hashem al-Avram lech lechom eko. God says to Avraham, this is Avram, at that stage, um, he says to him, go out from your land, from your birthplace, from the home of your father, house of your father, and go to the land that I will show you. Isa Medrash. So the Medrash points out to a correlation in phraseology, as I've already mentioned, and says, Omar Ablevi. Oh, Ablevi was an interesting man. Do you know who Ablevi was? Ablevi was an Amoira. He was the third generation of Amoiraim. After the production of the Mishnah, there was various generations of Amoraim. In fact, he was a contemporary of Reb Zera, who's a very special person. You don't see him quoted too often in the Gemara. You see him very often quoted in the Medrash um, uh, and sometimes in the Gemara, but he, he mainly um, was focused on what we call Ag- Agadah, which was the Midrashic explanations, the homiletic explanations of Tanakh. And uh, he was also known as Rablevi Barlachma or Rablevi Barchoma, uh, an extraordinary Agadist. And he says as follows in the in the Medrash, it's a Barashis Rabbah. There are two times in the Torah where we see this phrase, this expression used of Lech Lecha. We don't know which one is the favorite. Now, where's the second one used? Avram Avinu is instructed by God, go and sacrifice your son Yitzchak, your son Isaac. Bring him to the binding, to the Akedah, and sacrifice him to me as a carbon oila, as a burnt offering. Oh, wow. So the first time it's used is here. Very often, most people agree that this was the first test of Avraham Avinu. The test where he is instructed to leave his comfort zone and go to a new place. The final test of Avram Avinu, everybody agrees, is the Akedah, where he's asked to sacrifice his son. We have here a literary connection. It's almost like a sandwich. The first one that he, the first time he is tested, he's told Lech Lecha, and the last time he is tested, he's also told Lech Lecha. Says Reblevi in the Medrash, puzzled a little bit. In which instance are we to understand that the test was more difficult and therefore the result of Rome having passed the test was more beloved, was more favoured by God? That's what it says in the Mishnah. Which of the two is the favourite? Because we have two lechlachos. We have this literary um, association between the two. Which one is God's favourite? Says Reb Levi, suggesting an answer. It's a maybe answer. He's not, he's not proposing that this is definitely the answer. He's offering a suggestion, an Agadic interpretation. He says, The fact that it says, 
which is to Mount Moriah, to the holiest place on earth, it would appear that the second test was the one which was favoured by God. Not a very convincing um, answer or not a very convincing uh, um, way of, of finding a difference uh, between the two that shows the second one to be favorite over the first. But nonetheless, that's what Reb Levy says. And basing himself on the question rather more than on the answer, the Nesibus Sholem wants to go into this comparison, into this um, correlation between the two Lech Lechas that appear in the Torah, one at the very beginning of Avram Avinu's career and one at the end of his career. Says the Nesiva Shalom, the fact that we are presented with this sophic, this uncertainty between these two, um, the two times, the on two occasions on which the phrase Lech Lecha is mentioned, which one of the two tests can be considered uh, better, uh, um, uh, that Avram Avinu is considered favored as a result of the test that he went through. Whether it's the first one where he is asked to remove himself from his comfort zone, from the place of his birth, from his father's home, from where he lives, and go to a new place. Whether the favoured test that we should focus on is the one where he was um, asked to sacrifice his son. Says in the Shalom, really? You are suggesting that these are comparable tests, that somehow that it makes sense for us to say, well, I'm not sure which one would be favoured, which one would have been considered better. Are you really suggesting that? How is it possible to com- compare them at all? Imagine that. Avram Avinu is asked to sacrifice his favoured son Yitzchak Avinu that's what it says in the Torah the Torah says it says Kachna es bincha es yechidcha asha take your son your only son the one whom you love so much sacrifice him to me bring him as a carbon oila are we suggesting that in any way that can be compared to Lech Lecha, Mi Arzacha, Mi Malatacha, Mi Beis Avichal, Is there some way of in any way correlating these two? Are they in the same category? How is it even possible to measure, to calculate the, the magnitude of the test of having to be asked by God to sacrifice your son? How would you even put the two in the same bag, in the same category, that you could suggest, well, which one is it? Is it the first one where it says Lech Lecha, or the second one where it says Lech Lecha? Really? Are you going to suggest that someone who has to go through the discomfort of leaving the place where they're familiar and move to another country, that that's somehow in any way comparable with someone who's asked to sacrifice his child? What are you talking about? What does this medrash even mean? That's question number one of the Nesiva Shalom. Question number two is, Now, remember Rashi, that's why I'm going to get a little bit more detailed about the actual phraseology, the wording, the verbiage that's used. Lech lecha, it says, a very weird thing. It could have said, uh, lech, right, go. Why does it say Lech Lecha? So Rashi says Lech Lecha. Um, so Rashi explains what does the word Lecha mean? In the first instance, the beginning of Parshas Lech Lecha, when it says Lech Lecha, to you, for you, it means for your good, for your benefit. All oh, right, well, that's what Lech Lecha means there. But, when it comes to telling Avram Avinu, go and sacrifice your child, go to Mount Moriah and sacrifice Yitzchak. Well, excuse me, Eich shaykh pirish zeh, says the Nesiv Shalom. How could you possibly use that same explanation? So if Rashi is using the explanation of Lech Lecha, the word Lecha to mean that it's for your benefit, that somehow you will walk away from the test having passed it, the result will have enhanced your life, 
How could you possibly say the same thing about sacrificing, about killing your own child? So it cannot be that this explanation makes sense on the face of it. In a literal way, we can't take Rashi from the beginning of Parsha's Lech Lecha and transplant it to the Parsha which talks about the Akedah at the end of Ayera. Oid Yesh Lahakshais. And now we have another question, the third question of the Nesiva Shalom. Three times we find that God said to Avram, Halicha. He talks about him having to move, to journey, to go somewhere. Here we have it at the beginning of our parsha. The second time is his It says, "Go before me and be pure, uh, be simple, be clear, be true." Whatever, however you're going to translate the word Tomim, that's the second time we see the expression of Halicha, like Lech Lecha. It says, His Halech Lefonai. And finally, the Lech Lecha, Eretz Maria, the beginning of the Akedah, the beginning of the story, the binding of Isaac, where Avram was asked to sacrifice Isaac, we see the same expression of Halicha. We need to understand why this. Loshon of Halicha, this language that's used, Lech Lecha, it's Alech Lefona in Lech Lecha, why it's used on these three particular occasions, and what possible message, what lesson can we draw from the use of this word or this expression of Halicha in the Torah with regard to Avraham Avinu three times? V'yesh Lefarish. Yesh Lefarish Inyan. You know, the Slonim Rebbe, Rabbi Weinberg, wrote a Sefer, Yesoid Ha'avoida. And he quotes the Ari. He says, There are no two people who are ever alike since the day that man was created. No two people have ever been identical. There is no such thing. By the way, you could look the same genetically, like twins. They're born, they look identical. They're not the same. There's no such thing as two people who are utterly identical. You could have identical ants, you can have identical animals, you can have identical flowers, but no two human beings have ever been identical since the day of creation. So you're going to say, well, what was the point of mentioning this obvious fact? So that you should know that nobody can ever correct or do that which needs to be done in order to um, fulfill the life of another person. Own, the only person to take care of the needs of the person's spiritual material, whatever it may be, that can actually do the things that need to be done for that person in their totality is the person themselves. You must rely on yourself. Why is that? Because nobody else actually really knows 100% what it is you need. The only person who really knows you is you. I mean, sometimes we may obscure it, we may live in denial, we may need help to understand ourselves, but ultimately, you can ask this of any therapist, the only way that you can be helped at the end to really get the message home, you've got to give the message to yourself. You've got to believe in it yourself. You've got to understand yourself and take the necessary measures in order to correct that which needs correcting. That's because each person has his individual designation, the tafkidoi, as his purpose. And these things are the things that he needs to be masakin in his life. All the things that are personal to you, that are unique to you, are the things that you need to deal with in your life. And this is the, if you go into the Kabbalistic world, the, the Kabbalah talks about the fact that each person has their individual needs and the things that they need to do in order to be mesake in their neshama, in order for their soul to be completely pure when it's returned to its maker. And all the tools, the full toolbox of all the things you need are provided to you from Shemaim uniquely for you. Now you may have to go and find them. They may not necessarily be on your doorstep. They may not be available to you at every moment in your life. Sometimes those things are available and sometimes not. And you may need to go out and find them or you may need to wait until they become available in order to have them. But you should know that all those tools 
have been uniquely prepared for you and are available to you as and when you need them in order to be mesakein yon hashama. Akadish Baruch Hu mamed lekol echad as kol anesivos vatenoim sheyuchal al yodom lesakein esasha esashem itavtida lesakein. And you should know something that God creates for each and every person the circumstances and the means by which they can improve themselves and be masakin can correct anything that requires correction so that you can reach your true purpose. That you can achieve your true designation, your ultimate version of yourself. That's what we all want, isn't it? We want to be the ultimate and the most perfected version of ourselves that we can be. That's really our ultimate aspiration. You should know that every aspect, every um, uh, piece of your life, whatever it may be, whether it's in Gashmias, it's in the material side of your life, or whether it's Baruchnias in the spiritual, more um, ethereal aspects of your life, whether it's the good parts or could be the bad parts. Each person gets that package that they need in order that they can correct themselves and be that best, best version of themselves that they would like to be. And by the way, don't go and seek it elsewhere. Don't think, well, that person has it and I don't. But if I had what that person had, I could do the things that I needed to do in order to be the best version of myself. No, no, no. You have it. And by thinking that you need to get it from someone else, or that if you had someone else's personality, or if you had someone else's circumstances, somehow you would be perfect, but it's only because you're in the circumstances you're in that you are the way you are. That is a wrong-headed thinking, because you have everything you need. The, The full range of tools that you require are available to you. You just need to look for them. By the way, you just need to know what they are. Sometimes we imagine that what somebody else has are the tools that we need. But in fact, they're not the tools that we need at all because we've mistakenly, um, we've misidentified, we've misdiagnosed the problem. And we think, well, on the basis of that diagnosis, what that person has or what those people have, if I had that, then I would be in a perfect situation. That's a misdiagnosis. You have to go back to uh, the doctor, as it were, and you've got to get a proper diagnosis. And once you get the proper diagnosis, you'll realize, no, 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 no. Well, that person has, if I would have it, would be the wrong thing. I've got the thing I need. I've just got to action it. I've just got to uh, put together an action plan based on the tools that I've got, which are perfect, which are the perfect package of tools that I need in order to achieve my ultimate objective. Because every single person has an individual designation, an individual personality. That's why every person has a different life, has a different set of circumstances. Somebody has an easy life. You look at them, you say, well, look, that life is so easy. And then another person, you see, well, they've got a really difficult life. Why are they equal? Why has this person got a much easier life than that fellow? What's the reason for that? But that's because their personalities and what's required of them in order to be massacred the Neshama is completely different. And that's why, by the way, we see that everybody has a different way of conducting themselves in life. Some people go through life and behave in one particular way and other people go through life and behave in another another way. Sometimes it can be personality-based, sometimes it's choice-based, sometimes it's circumstances-based, whatever it may be. But you see that people have multiple different ways. There's no put to us, the Ari said, quoted by the Yusoit HaVoyda, there's no two people who are um, utterly identical, neither in personality nor in circumstances. And that that is deliberate. God created us all deliberately, totally differently. Every person is different so that 
each person has different ways and methods by which they can achieve their ultimate and best version of themselves. Even the very difficult circumstances that we sometimes go through. And we go through tests. Every single person has a test. Maybe not quite like Avraham Avinu, but we all go through our version of the tests of Abraham. And even in the most difficult times, in the most challenging of circumstances, you should know that those difficult circumstances are not random. They are there in order for you to use them as a platform, as a means to achieve the best possible version of yourself. There's no such thing as bad that comes from Shemayim. We refer to it as bad. In other words, we have to identify it in some way, and the way we identify it is by calling it Ra. But there's no such thing as Ra that comes from Shamayim. And they are all considered to be for the best of man, of each individual person, of each individual man or woman who lives in this world, they have the things that they need in terms of what happens to them in their life in order to achieve the best version of themselves. And sometimes they may perceive that as bad, but in the end, it's not bad. It's good for them. And by, by the way, it may be bad for other people. If it happened to other people, it would be bad. But it didn't happen to those people. It happened to you so that you could achieve the best version of yourself. Says the Nesiva Shalom. You should know that in particular, this is something that can be applied to the spiritual realm, to spiritual matters. Your talents, your natural abilities, your characteristics. Each person has a quite a different balance of characteristics and talents. Some people are very talented musically, but they're not very good at writing. Other people are very talented, they have a brilliant memory, and they're very good at talking, they're very sociable. Other people are very shy, but they're much deeper in their thinking processes, or they're much better with their hands. Every, and it's, the balance is always different. Every, there's no two people who are identical in terms of what they can achieve based on the characteristics of their personality and based on the talents that they possess. Some people are born with wonderful characteristics of great personality. Those are suffering they're, they're born with quite bad negative traits and characteristics. They're negative people. You speak to them and they're, they're always down. They're always critics. They're always looking at the negative side of life. Or they get very angry. They're completely consumed by their material desires. They're very haughty and arrogant in the way that they behave towards other people. And just like that, all the different negative traits that people have. Says the Nesiva Shalom. It's clear to me. Be clear. Be absolutely 100% clear. The reason why people are born with these different, this range of different characteristics, some of them on the negative side of the scale and some of them, some of them on the positive, is only in order to use them in combination or as um, in individual ways, as a way of improving yourself and getting to the best version that you can be of yourself. Should know it's not just your good personality traits or your your advantages over others that bring you to that to that place. Even the bad things that you have in your personality. You're an angry person. Well, that means by working on your anger and being a person who's able to overcome your anger, you'll have improved who you are. And you will be a better person. You will be that version of yourself that you need to be. By taking complete control over them, over those bad personality traits and those things that you're not particularly good at, that you really have to work hard in order. You know, some people, 
they just read through a book once and they pass the exam, they get straight A's and it's no problem for them. Other people, they're really struggling and they're working and they're reading and they need to reread, they need to write it all down, they need to, need to write notes and, and they may get an A, they might even get a B. But who's, who's worked on themselves more? It's obviously the person who's really worked hard and that is part of character improvement. You've achieved that. You uniquely have achieved that. The other person never achieved that. The other person may have other challenges which they need to work on in a totally different sphere, which you would never need to work on. You may be, for example, extremely sociable and it's not a big deal for you to walk into a room and say hello to lots of different people and get to know them, be a salesman perhaps and be very successful that way. But for those people who are straight A students, they find it very challenging to relate to other people. They're not that relatable. That's their challenge. That's their unique challenge that they need to work on. Shalidation is gaber alehem. Doesn't matter what it is. The fact that you've managed to overpower them and get to the uh, and get the better over them. Meshaber midaisav. You break those negative characteristics within you to be a better person. You will have achieved that best version of yourself that you are aiming to be. And this, says the Nesiv Shalom, is the explanation for all the challenges and all the difficulties and all the hurdles that people experience as they go through the journey of life. It could be that, uh, that heaven has directed your life in such a way that you're going to have to go through very difficult and challenging circumstances. It could be that the circumstances you go through are so overwhelming and so challenging and so bad, seemingly, that you'll begin to doubt Hashem. You maybe even get angry with Hashem. You may say, how can it be that a God could produce such terrible circumstances? How is it possible to believe in such a God? A God that produces such negative circumstances, such horrible situations, that it's almost impossible to withstand. The truth is that every challenging circumstance that a Jew has to go through, each and every one of them are for your benefit and for your good. Why? Because they help you realize your purpose in life. If you, if you manage to, at the moment you're feeling that you're angriest or most challenged, to kind of rise above it and look at it, from a third-party perspective, if it's possible just for a moment to put yourself out like an out-of-body experience, you'll recognize what you're going through is strengthening you. It's like strengthening your character muscles. It's exercise. It's an unbelievable opportunity to realize your purpose. Because having conquered the situation, having been victorious in the midst of whatever challenge you found yourself in, you are able to realize your true potential. And that's what it means when Chazal say, which is very challenging and it's brought down in the Rambam, it's a Gemara and Yuma, the Gemara says, How do we explain, what's the word, the phrase, somebody who's a penitent, what does it mean? How do, how do we describe that person? What's a total and utter penitent? Somebody who, for example, we're talking here about a man who is a philanderer, somebody who couldn't withstand sexual temptation, wasn't able to do it. And he's done shuva. But how does he know he's a balshuva gomor? How does he realize that he's actually done teshuva properly? Because the teshuva he's done was he put himself in a room and he locked the door and he never looks at anything, he doesn't know anyone, doesn't want to see anything. No, no, that's not about teshuva gomo. Yes, it's a penitent. It's a certain level. You've achieved a certain victory because you haven't done the avera again. But do you want to know how you know you're about teshuva gomo? If you find yourself in the same place, in the same circumstances, with the same kind of woman, 
and you didn't fall into that trap, then you're Balchuva Gomor. What does that mean? How do we explain that, says the Nesiva Shalom? Why would you suggest that a Balchuva is a Balchuva Gomor if he's in that situation? What are you talking about? That's the greatest test of all. Why would you want him to be in that place? So what is it? Bitstarfusom yachad shall kol atanoim oisoi haperek hamokoim v'oisho. It's not true. He says because if you find yourself, how can you know in yourself that you're balchuva? You can't really know if you're locked away in a room, and you're not. You don't have access to the avera anymore. You can only know if you have access to the avera in the exact same circumstances that your tshuva has worked. So in a sense, it's an isoyin. But in another sense, it's not. It's actually a cleansing experience. It's catharsis. It's an amazing experience. Look at me. Isn't that amazing? That previously, in my sort of previous version of myself, I would never have been able to withstand this Nisoyan. Look at me now. It's of no interest to me. I- I'm not even engaged in that subject anymore. That's about Shuva Gomor. <coughs> so, if that Nisoyan happens to you, do you know what it really means? It means it's for your good and it means it's for your benefit. Why? Because you know that you've reached that ultimate version of yourself. There's no greater feeling that a person can have than to know that they are a perfected version of who they once were. They're not that flawed character that they used to be, but now they've perfected themselves. That's Lahana Osoi. That's Latoivosoi. Shaliyudei Sheyamoi Benisoi Nisakein Isma Shepoga because as a result of withstanding that challenge which previously would have been impossible to withstand you know that you've achieved that ultimate version of who you can be and that's the explanation for what it says at the beginning of our parsha go out from your land from your birthplace from the home of your father means go to, to, to the version of yourself that is, that is your designation, that the designated version of who you are. Lech lecha, Avraham Avinu was told. El tikkun nishmoscha ma she'ata Avraham Avinu, says God, go to the lecha that you need to be. Go and become the Avraham Avinu that you can ultimately be. You're not there yet. You need to go in order you can get to so you can get Ella Oretz Asher Ar Echoz you can be the Avram Avinu that you need to be. And in fact, he of course is the is the original patriarch of the Jewish people, and that is the purpose of a Jewish person, that you should always be aiming in that direction. As the Torah Ovois says. Even if you're there, you have a Jewish person and he's constantly praying and he's constantly doing good deeds. <coughs> but if he doesn't manage to correct himself in the way that he needs to correct himself in order to be that best version, he can be the kindest person on the planet. He can be somebody who prays all the time and he does all the mitzvahs that he needs to do, but he hasn't worked on that part, part of himself that he needs to work on. Says the Torah, Then you know what's going to happen when one day he's sitting or standing in front of God. After 120 years, and he reaches the Olama Emes, and God says to him, No, what did you achieve in this world? He says, Well, I davened every day, I never missed davening. I always gave stock on, I was a very nice person. God will say, No, 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 that wasn't your job. Your job was to do whatever it was, such and such. You know, there's a story, it's on the, it's on the um, album that I brought out. The final album of Shlomo Kalbach before he passed away was a recording of a concert that he did in Notting Hill Synagogue in January 1993. And he told a story. The story was about Rabdovid Lakus. Rabdovid Lakus was a Talmud of the Balshemtov. 
And he, every year he would go to Mejibush, which is where the Baal Shem Tov lived, and he would spend Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, Sukkot, together with his Rebbe, together with the master of the Hasidic movement, as it, it was just going to be created. It was, in the, it was in its formation stages. One year he went, and he's on the journey, and everything that could go wrong on the journey went wrong. You know, the horse died, and the guy was riding, you know, the guy was uh, in charge of the carriage. He also became very sick, and the wheels fell off, and it was raining, and they were held up by highwaymen. Every possible thing that could go wrong went wrong. And finally, he's a few miles outside of the, of the town where the, where the Baal Shem Tov lives. And guess what? There's a few people standing on the road, and they stop the carriage, and, they, and he gets out, and he says, can I help you? And they say, yes, you know, we, we're a small village, we have a little shul here, ten people, but unfortunately this morning someone died. It's Erev Rosh Hashanah, and we need a minion for Rosh Hashanah. Would you care just to stay with us for Rosh Hashanah and Kippur so that we can have a minion? And he looks at them and he thinks to himself, he says, you know what, this is just another one of the challenges of me getting to my Rebbe. I'm sure someone else is going to pass and someone else will, will uh, make up their minion. It doesn't have to be me. And he says to them, no, no I'm not going to stay here. I'm sure you'll find someone else. He gets back into the carriage and he rides on and arrives in Mejibush and he comes Rosh Hashanah and the Bashem Tov ignores him. Oh, he thinks maybe it's a mistake. It comes the next day, second day of Rosh Hashanah. Bar Shem Tov still ignoring him, won't wish him he look at him in the face, gets to Yom Kippur, the Baal Shem Tov is still not talking to him. Finally, the end of Sukkot, Hashan Rabba, he breaks down, he was so upset. He says, Rebbe, what happened? What did I do? Now, somehow the Baal Shem Tov knew the story about the nine Jews who had stopped him on the way. And I don't know if it was with Ruach HaKodesh or someone told him the story. And he says to Reb David Lakus, he says, you fool, don't you realize? You thought that you were doing the right thing by coming to Davun with me over Ashani and Kippur Sukkos. Do you realize you were only born? Your whole purpose in life, the reason why you exist was that you should be the number 10 for that minion. And you missed your chance. How can I look at you? What a wasted opportunity. That's what the Nesiva Shalom is saying. You think you're doing all the right things. You missed your opportunity. You were never You never got to being Avram Avinu. You were so busy protecting yourself that you never realized that you needed to work on parts of yourself that you never even got to. And now it may be too late. Well, hopefully it's never too late. And continues... You may have worked on yourself in all the other aspects of your personality and your character and the things that you need to do and think you need to do. But the main event, the thing that's really going to change you, that's going to bring you to the best version of yourself, you didn't even look at it. That part of who you are that was your absolute primary objective, your primary function spiritually for your neshama, you didn't even get to it. You never even bothered. Unbelievable. And that's exactly what it means, that God spoke to Avram Avinu. He says, go to Lecha. Go to be mesakein, to correct, to repair your neshama in such a way that's relevant to you. The part that's going to bring you to the best version of who you can be. You, Avram Avinu, not someone else. And don't do the things that you're doing, they're wonderful things, but they're not getting you to where you need to be. You know what you need to do? You need to get out of your birthplace. You need to get out of your land. You need to get out of your father's house. You've got to get away from all those things that influence you, that are suppressing you, that are on top of you, that are blinding you to the true path that you need to be on in order to be who you need to be. I'm not going to read it in the text, but I'll tell you what the Nesiva Shalom says. Every single person has three things in their life which completely distract them from who they could be 
because they're so ensconced in who they are. For example, your culture, right? You come from a place, your land. Like, I'm British. I have a British accent. I like British humour. I like British music, whatever it may be. And sometimes you need to move away from that. You need to get away from it in order to be the best person you need to be. And it could be that you're watching this and you're American, you're Israeli, you're Dutch, you're Canadian, you're whatever. And every, every culture and every country has their particular aspect of their culture that holds you back, that prevents you from breaking free from that in order to be the best person you can be. It can be even within the community. And that's the next level. It could be from the place you were born you could be born in a particular community it doesn't matter if it's a Hasidic community or if it's a modern orthodox community or if it's a yeshiva community or if it's an east coast community or west coast community or if it's a European or Israeli or it doesn't make any difference that community will have certain aspects of its culture of its little smaller culture not the country culture but its internal culture which hold you back which prevent you from being who you could be and then you have base on you have your parents home and there's lots of different shackles and restrictions based around the home that you come from doesn't mean there's not good things there's wonderful things in your parents home there's wonderful things in your family but there's also parts of your family life which are holding you back, which prevent you from being the best that you can be. Those things which help you be the best that you can be within your family or within your cultural environment with, from your country, of course, those things you take with you, you always have them with you. But you need to break free of those aspects of those three things which are holding you back, which are putting the brakes on, which are a barrier, a glass ceiling, those things need to be abandoned in order to be the best that you can be. And let me tell you something. That's not something you achieve in five minutes. Ah, that's a lifelong journey. That's a journey that's going to take you from your youngest years until your last day on this world. Fascinating. A beautiful explanation as to what it means. It's not a one-time test. It's a test that God puts right at the beginning of all the tests of Avram Avinu. I'm going to give you now, this is going to be the background music to the rest of your life. This is going to be the static that's always going to be playing there in the background. Become who you are. Do you know how? Get out of your country. Get out of your cultural environment. Get out of the things in your family which are holding you back. Make sure you make your way to the place that you need to be. To be the lecha, the you, who you are. Who you need to be in order to be masakein yunashama. Now, finally, we can understand Reb Levi Bar in the Medrash that we quoted right at the beginning of the Shir. What's he talking about? He said, Which one is better? We said at the beginning, what are you talking about? What's well, a bigger test? The biggest test of all is to be told you need to sacrifice your son. Says the receiver Shalom Noah, Reb Levi has quite a good point. He, now that we've explained it, we can really understand what Reb Levi is talking about. Do you know something? A lifelong test is not something to be sneezed at. Yeah, you may think it's not such a big deal, but it's constantly there. The battle is on. You wake up in the morning, the battle is on. You go to sleep at night, the battle is on. The war never ends. Every day you wake up, you've got the same war, you've got the same battle, you've got the same challenges to be a It never stops. Ah, that's one side of the equation. That's one type of test. Oh, that could be very chaviv. Or you could have, uh, you could have the time which is the akedah time to be told lech you know something, says the Nesiva Shalom, what an astute observation he makes. It's an unbelievable, it's amazing. That's a one-off thing. It's a one time in your life that it's going to happen that you're going to have 
a challenge like that? It's overwhelming. No question about it. It's a completely overwhelming challenge. It's something that is unforgettable and you'll remember it and you'll know every facet of what happens when that challenge occurs. Whatever that challenge may be, each, of, each one of us has had Akedah challenges in our lives. Now, which one is it? Is it the one-off thing that's a five-minute or one-day or one-week challenge that's a great challenge or the greatest or the Chaviva? Or is it the challenge that's a lifetime, a lifelong journey challenge? That's the real challenge of life. Wow. Now that's a question. Which one should it be? Which one is it going to be? Is it going to be the Lech Lecha Or is it going to be the Akedah? The Lech Lecha of the Akedah? Ah, that's the question Reb Levi asks, and now we can understand it. Are we going to say that, is it... <coughs> is it better if you withstand the challenge that's ongoing all your life? Is that something which is shows great strength of character? It's a Gomorrah. And You need to be a, a perpetual opponent. You need to be constantly on your guard. You need to have your hand on your, on your gun in the holster at all times, ready to draw, to make sure that you can withstand that challenge. You can't drop your guard for one minute. Or, the other side of the equation, is the Nisoyen of the Akedah tougher. In and of themselves, they're very short. It may be one day, one week, a month, whatever it may be. But of course, they're much more challenging because they're much sharper. It's like, it's like a volcanic eruption in your life. So which one is it? The constant threat or the one-off challenge that you may have in your life? At that moment in life, you can't for one second drop your... I mean, that's really... That is so challenging. That means you've got to be fully focused on that challenge and nothing else. Everything else pales into insignificance in the midst of a Kedah challenge. Because that is something that totally overtakes your life for that brief period, that Chad Pa'ami moment. You might say, well, that's the most difficult challenge that any human being can face. What is it that combines the two? What makes them comparable? Do you know why there is this literary comparison? Reb Levi gave his answer in the Medrash. It's not really important. The answer is much less important than the question. Or in fact, it's much the most important thing about the Medrash is creating this literary association between these two totally different types of nisyonis because they both have the same objective. They are both character builders. One of them is a character builder over a lifelong journey and the other one is a character builder in that short, sharp moment of challenge, of difficulty, when you have that Akedon moment. But they're both achieving the same result. You're going to have your neshama cleansed and you're going to become the best version of who you can be. And it's presented to us in this language of halicha, of journey, of going on a journey. Do you know why? To teach you that you need to constantly advance in life. You've const constantly got to be moving forward. And now we understand why it's at three particular points in Avram Avinu's life that it's mentioned. It's mentioned, and I know Avram Avinu lived until he was 175, so it, it, we're not, we're going to, I'm going to use terminology that may you may think doesn't apply to a uh, a person who lived that long, but it really is, it's driven by the same ideas as the way I'm going to present it, which is, and the, this is taken from the Nesiva Sholem. The first time 
is at the beginning of his career. In early life, Lech Lech now that's, a, that, that's when you're told, you know what, life's challenges are lifelong. Wouldn't it be great if we were all told at the age of 15 or 20 and we really took it in, you know what, all the things you're doing now, all the decisions you're making, all the directions that you want to go in, these are all things that are going to affect you for the rest of your life. And we really understood that. If we really understood the lesson of Lech 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 it's a lifelong journey. Wouldn't that be amazing? Then we get to the end of our life. That sometimes can be the most challenging time of a person's life. It's an Akedah moment. There can be illness. There can be loss of loved ones. There can be all kinds of tragedies that happen at the end of your life. And then you've got the middle of your life. His Halech Lefonai. You reach middle age. As Avram Avinu did, you can become a bit of a coaster. Do you know what a coaster is? You're coasting along. You're not really challenging yourself. You're just saying, well, I, I'm, I'm a good place. I, I found my groove. I've done everything I need to do. I just need to keep in that groove and everything's going to be okay. Says the Torah, using the three moments of Halicha, of Lech Lecha. No, no, no. At the beginning, it's got to be intense. In the middle, it's got to be intense. And at the end, it's got to be intense. At every single moment of your life, you've got to have this sense of, I'm moving forward. I'm growing as a person. I'm going to become a better person. Lehit kadem, as the Nesiva Shalom puts it, that I'm going to be someone who is, who is um, advancing. I'm getting ahead. Not I'm simply static and neutral. Lech lecha me'artzecha, hisalech lefonai, lech lecha l'eretz Every single moment of your life is covered in these three different exp- expressions. Udva Hashem harishain, shematzinu, b'toyra shedvar kodesh bochel avrom hoya, lech lecha me'artzecha, umemeilatcha me'beisavicha. First and foremost, and with this I'll end, is at the beginning of this week's parsha. So I don't know if everybody can really relate to an Akedah moment. Because unless you're in it, and when you're in it, you need help and you should seek help. If you ever have the most incredible challenge of your life, whether it's sickness or loss or your business is failing or whatever, these are moments when you really need help and you should seek it. And those moments can be used as platforms for growth. But the one moment we all have, it's ongoing and constant. It's every moment, every day of our lives is the lech lecha me'artecha u'meimeladetecha me'beisavicha. That's first and foremost. That's why it comes first in the Torah. That's why Avraham Avinu becomes the paradigm of the Jewish, of the Jewish person, of the, of the Jewish faithful. Because he is a person who recognizes that life is lifelong. Life is not just in that moment and I was successful and now I can forget it and just have a good time. Life is constantly lech lecha mi'artzecha mi'meiladzecha mi'beisavicha lech lecha el eretz asher areka. And with that, we'll leave it for today. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you for listening.